You're listening to Podcast BXN, a video game podcast delivering player experience news. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 174. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined over Discord by the Nintendo aficionado and artist extraordinaire, Roshan Warner, at Roro. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> the host of Large Popcorn and Video Essayist, Christian Macias, at ISO Christian. I've done it. I've beat tonsillitis. Oh, yeah. Nice. And, and, the, <laughs> and the allegations. Oh. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he hasn't beaten those yet. And the DMZ daddy, the Tarkov Teletubby, Gage Dempster, at Gilbo Biggins. Hello, everyone. Well, all right. <laughs> well, all right. Thank hey, well, you. Oh, Dan. Oh, sorry. What's up? How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Great. Can yeah. I say you look fantastic? That's debatable, but anywho. Right. Uh, Glenn's in the chat says, whatever Christian is doing, keep it up. I don't know what that means, but okay. Thank okay, you. Guys. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> you should see my iPad. Keep going. Oh no! Thank you to everyone watching us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on youtube.com slash at podcast PXN and twitch.tv slash podcast PXN as well. There's always some gems in there. The topic of the show this week is our fantasy critic draft for 2023. But first, the show always starts with the quick bites. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Guys, the quick bites. The first item here, John Carpenter is apparently hinting at a Dead Space film that he's not even involved with. So apparently uh, in an interview with Variety, uh, the publication nudged Carpenter on his past remarks about wanting to make a Dead Space film. In response, Carpenter backpedaled pretty significantly on the idea he might be involved, but the at the end, he let it slip that another director was involved, implying such a thing exists in the first place. This is fantastic. Uh, who would you want to direct a Dead Space film? I mean, John Carpenter would be strong, a strong pick. Just let him come back to do anything. Doesn't have I, to be Dead Space. So I'm just going to piggyback off of that. I think John Carpenter is probably the best choice, just to get that out of the mm. way. Yeah. From there, uh, from there, I don't know. I, f- I'm not a big fan of of his movies. He's hit, it's hit or miss for me. But for some reason, Sam Raimi comes to mind. If you really Holy just, sh- if I you really just that. let him, just let him fly off the fucking rack with like a dead space. I just feel like that sort of vibe he could maybe have fun with. Or Guillermo. Yes. Mm, no, Guillermo del Toro's. I think it usually have a tinge of hopefulness and and everything, even though it gets like horror esque. True, but I, I will say, pick. if Guillermo del Toro was involved with like prosthetics and stuff like that and like that yes. sort of like if it had a Guillermo del Toro look to it that would look amazing yeah I agree with you there for sure okay, okay. let's hope it's coming so am I speaking of things that go quick PS5 yep. <laughs> is getting a big system update that's set to include full Discord support and the ability to stream games with PlayStation Premium. Finally, we will get that 
Discord support that you have been clamoring for, Christian and Ro, you'll be able to enjoy it. I guess we'll all be able to enjoy it. We all we have all PlayStations. Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a W. That's a big W. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because what I've been doing now, the reason why I bought these things is that I can just connect to my phone. So mm-hmm. for, for what you got for me, I'll, I'll talk about this more. But yeah, it'd be nice just to do it for my console and not connect to anything else. Heck yeah. God, That's... wait, hold on. I may have missed this in the pre-show. Gage, you're looking, you're looking nice today, by the way. That, that hair. I like it. <laughs> All right, please move on. Oh, uh, bro, hi. I didn't say hi to you. Hi, hi. How's it going? Yeah, nice. <laughs> Glenn, wants, Glenn wants a DM of your iPad screenshot, Christian, so you can send that to him later, I guess. I will not. Uh, I will not. <laughs> Ubisoft Paris is officially striking after some suspect comments from Yves Guimau. Because mm. Mr. Guimau and his clique only understand the relationship of power, Solidaris Informatic is calling on the employees of Ubisoft Paris to go on, on strike. Uh, very. Oh, look at you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, very well deserved for uh, this company after Guimau's comments. It was pretty. Ugh. Gimo apparently, well, not apparently, he did uh, blame the company's recent downturn in fortunes, resulting in the cancellation of three unannounced projects on its workforce. Ubisoft said it's currently facing major challenges due to an industry shift towards mega brands. Today, more than ever, I need your full energy and commitment to ensure we get back on the path to success, he said in an email exchange. Ugh. Could you imagine being in charge of all the company and blaming your workers for for your business decisions and the things that you have green greenlit? And no, I'm terrible. Think think about this. Think about you know when when a company is underperform and leadership decides to take pay cuts so that you know to keep morale boosted and, and make decisions together. And he's just like, no, nah, everything that we have done that we have failed is on you. Fix it. Very shitty. All I would right. I would be like, you know what? Do it yourself. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, Learn to code ease. Yeah, I remember when, and there's a lot to be said about Nintendo's uh, work environment. But I remember when uh, I think it was I- Iwata who took a pay pay cut when yes. Nintendo was wasn't doing so hot one year. Like this is just such <laughs> a contrast and kind of sad. It's just like he's like, you guys need to work harder. That's the problem. It's like, don't think that's where it starts or ends. Uh, there's a lot to be talked about with how the leadership is. Uh, handling things so very very sucky behavior but uh also not surprising unfortunately mm-hmm. right yeah yeah Look. it was uh go ahead Dad. no i was just gonna add on i just remembered bobby kotick he he didn't take a salary one year so we love him right no right he still took a gigantic <laughs> bonus that was absurd so yeah ugh. much like another company we'll talk about today that's true <laughs> right right um, yeah, this makes me want to spit in my own mouth. Um, oh, when they, yeah. and this is the, and this is the thing and, on the, on the ghost recon subreddit, when they announced the, I can't remember what it was called, but the, um, battle Royale that was, uh, announced and then mm. unannounced and canceled. It's called Breakpoint? It, or... No, no. Breakpoint was the last main line. <coughs> ghost recon. I think, I think Dan frontiers right is it frontiers? Frontline, right? Or frontline? Frontline. Like frontlines. Um, obviously, the, the Ghost Recon subreddit blew up. People were unhappy. There were developers in the comments 
it was the most honest I've ever seen. Like people, morale at Ubisoft is low. There were devs in the comments saying we knew this was going to happen. We did not want to make this game. Mm. Like I'm barely, I'm barely streamlining it. Like it was, it was slightly more professional than that, but it was very clear that these devs were like, we don't want it. We know you guys do not want this stuff, which is heartbreaking when it, when you see the leader of this company turn around and say, I'm counting on you guys. Because from what I've seen from interacting with the Ghost Recon community, and I'm sure if you take this and you can apply this to like the Assassin's Creed teams and to the you know, Splinter Cell guys, obviously they haven't done anything. I, I'm guessing, and this will probably come up later in the show with what we're going to talk about with Microsoft. It sucks that like nine times out of 10, when there are issues with games not hitting, it's because you have money stepping in front of creatives and telling them what to do. And this makes me so angry. This this has been a very bad day for me. <laughs> seeing all of the seeing these new cycles that we're going to talk about and this Yves, fuck you. Okay, you Ubisoft, you had it. You had the ball in your hands for like ten years. All right, nobody's fault but yours, Yves. Fuck you. Yeah, it, I do wonder like if this is like the slow and it, it maybe like the writing has been on the wall, but it, it I do think about like Capcom and other companies who have been mm-hmm. able to make like comebacks, and if Ubisoft may be able to do something like that, if that's under new leadership or or something, or if Yves is somehow able to turn it around. But it, it is interesting to think that. Like, I hope that this isn't the end of Ubisoft and they're able to turn it around. But the way For that sure. things are going, it's like, it's just not, like you're saying, it's just so sad to, to see. They've got I'm so much sure. good IP, too. Like, that's yeah. the thing. They're sitting on that's so understand. much good IP. I'm saying, Skull and Bones, release it. It'll solve out everyone's problems. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that's such a great comparison, though, Ro, because Capcom was definitely in some dire uh, yes. issues um, at one point, and yeah, they turned it around pretty well. All right, next quick bite, guys. Coffee Talk Episode 2 is coming April 20th, and I know Ro is excited. Your favorite late-night <laughs> coffee shop will be back with more stories to unfold, Ro. Hell yeah! Happy that it's getting that it got it got its release date. Um, yeah, not m- really? really much else I could say. It's just more mm. coffee talk, more characters, and more good good vibes. Um, I'm here for it. Uh, again, this we talked about it last earlier last year with Fami passing away, the developer uh, who helped make this happen. So it is bittersweet for sure, but uh, I'm definitely excited to to play it. Very cool. And what a date to release it on, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good old 420. I know how Christian's playing this game. It's a code for adults who still watch cartoons. <laughs> nice. Oh, you saw... oh, we're not talking about this at the show. <laughs> Move on. And <Dan>, please. <laughs> Moving on. Returnal is coming to PC launching February 15th. Christian may be excited about this, uh, except he already played it. Maybe he'll play it again. But for others, yeah. yeah. We get some screen optim- optimization with DLSS. We're getting ray trace shadow and reflections, dual sense compatibility, Dolby Atmos support, and ultra wide support. Here, here's the thing, Dan. Yep. I will not be downloading a PS5 game on a PC. And now you may ask why. Well, because I'm too busy importing USB dongles from Japan to play Clone Hero for me to play anything else. <laughs> You're so hip. You are so this is the, hip. Dude, dude, this is the year of fun. I'm telling you. Hell yeah. Year of fun. Let's do it. 
Wait, I thought this was. I agree with that. I do agree with that. This is going to be the year of fun. I thought this was the year of uh, manifestations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I am manifesting fun. It's (laughs) the year of manifestations. That's kind of oh, manifestations. That's kind of like a caveat. You could you could say you're manifesting anything then, manifesting a million dollars for myself. That's I made that for myself, by the way. Not not a knock at anyone else. Let's let's manifest let's manifest the next quick bite. Nice. Manifest the next quick bite, which is also coming February 15th. Modern Warfare 2 Season 2 has been delayed to February 15th. Activision breaks the news. Season 2 will include a small map, uh small new map for Warzone 2, ranked play and multiplayer, new multiplayer maps, new weapons, and more. Uh, Activision's full statement says that season two will be launching February 15th. Our studio teams have been making several changes based on what we have heard from our player community. Season two includes all new content with the return of resurgence and a brand new small map for Warzone 2.0. Of course, I already said the other items. So uh, this seems to be good news that they're taking feedback from what people are giving them and taking a little bit more time to make sure it's right. Uh, So hopefully, you know, they're listening to those uh outcries and fix the heavy stuff that emphasis like. yeah heavy emphasis on seams we'll have to wait and see yes True. because true. if this is this is all nice words but if the update comes out and it's just what's in here and there's not really much else then they've done that before they've pulled that shit before so it's fair hopefully this is true because the game like we'll talk about later there seems to be a, a sort of trend in the industry but yeah hopefully this is this is the right call and they're making some quality of life things, but things like UI, for some reason, I have a feeling they're not going to do anything about that. Yeah, I have. I can't remember a game I've fallen up faster than Modern Warfare 2. I was like really high on it. And now I just cannot care. I haven't redeemed a single battle pass token for it. You know what I mean? Really? Mm hmm. That's see, I, 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 I'm still in it. I'm really high on the game. But man, the, everything outside of the gameplay is really trying to get me to not be high on this game. I, I would love some import if they could do it, you know, remake of, of more Modern Warfare 2 maps. I think that would go a long way because I think launching the game and, and having one map be immediately removed uh, and then another possibly be removed and like there's still issues, legal issues with more maps. It just feels like multiplayer proper needs a bit of a revival. And like I've been seeing a, a fan game made on Twitter where they're rebuilding stuff from the ground up um, to be like, this is Modern Warfare 2, but in the modern day. And it's it looks really cool. That might yeah. be, you know, competition for MW Roman numeral two. Only time will tell. Guys, time has, I think, come and gone for this last quick bite. We are giving a moment of silence for Google Stadia. It is gone. Moment of silence. Okay, we gave it enough moment of silence because Google <laughs> wow. killed it. Google killed it quicker than what <laughs> I just savage. gave it right there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Stadia, goodbye. Goodbye, Stadia. I was I've never respected the... you more, man. Oh, sorry, bro. No, I was just going to say, I was going through the, the comments on the post, the Twitter post, and surprisingly, a lot of people were, are genuinely sad <laughs> to see it go, which I wasn't surprising, especially on Twitter, seeing like the genuine, genuine sadness that Stadia has ended. It's like, wow, people actually use this thing. Uh, but obviously, Google did not put enough uh, effort into, into it. But yeah, it's a... Uh, Bit of a shame, but also, again, like the Ubisoft story, not that surprising. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm. Fumbled. Fumbled.
it joins the Google graveyard killed by Google. That you know that website with all the yeah yes oh yep yeah, it joins that that website now. Please God. don't kill YouTube TV. That's my only TV source. Oh, don't God. do it, Google. Same, do it. same. That's how I watch my my sports, and I'm sure you do as well. Yes. Mm. I wish I was available in Canada. Damn, another Canadian I wish I were. problem. You know. Yeah, mm. true. I Probably be too expensive though. I don't know anything about that. Anywho, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> moving moving into some street meat. Let's run some meat over. I guess I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we have one item here. Is Platinum Games set to reveal or revive, not reveal, sc- scale bound for the one hundredth time? Uh, I feel like we've heard this rumor about seventeen million times over the last few years. That. Uh, yeah, it's coming back. I swear this time, and these insiders are saying it. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, this time, Xbox Era's uh, Shapeshawl Nick recently hosted a new podcast claiming that he had been told Platinum Games and Microsoft are working together to revive Scalebound, but it is still in the very early stages. The source clarifies that he doesn't know about the scale of the revival yet, but it is, it isn't impossible at the moment. So, I don't know. I don't know about I got another one for you, Dan. Yep. Where is Capcom's Deep Down that was announced in 2013? Still <laughs> 10 years later. Still waiting on that one. Man. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Is Scalebound an established IP? No. No. So what is their obsession with bringing back this game that we got one cinematic trailer for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's a great question, Gage. Because, yeah. like, in terms of optics, like, it's a it, it, scale bound is not going to be associated with anything positive. So, it's like, even if you had a passion for that story for that game, you might want to rename it something else and repitch it. Yeah. Rename it Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma, these balls across. Nice. <laughs> this is a family show, though. So, this is a family show. Grandma, I'm so- Grandma Warren, I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> That that is a fair point though, Gage, because like putting this game out could actually do more detriment than good because you often see that where games are, you know, re-revealed, come out years later, and then they don't really they're not successful. So yeah. Yep, the hype's come and gone. And especially after uh Babylon's fall, you definitely might wanna not right. have any sort of go in with the best sort of optics you can, I think, for these guys. Indeed. Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna go into the PXN news of the week. I'm gonna switch it a little bit. We're gonna do the other story first, and then move into our. We've got multiple stories on the other one. Nothing but bad news, huh? <laughs> it's a bad Damn. day. This is the darkest yep. timeline. Suicide Squad has apparently been revealed to be a games as a service game after all. After a bit of a leak um, showed off a menu screen that showed a battle pass. Uh, Interested to to hear your guys' thoughts on this because um, obviously this is we were hoping that this would be more of a single player game coming from Rocksteady and their experience in that regard. I'm I'm kind of you know in the middle of the middle ground of this. Like I, I personally, I'm okay with it as long as it's not going to affect anything gameplay related. If it is cosmetics only, like they're saying it is. I won't care because I'll just play the game if it ends up being good, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it is an interesting discussion for something that's, you know, typically mm-hmm. been a single player only experience. Yep. Christian. 
I've had, a, I've had enough, Dan. I've had enough. Yeah. Whatever happened to the goal of games being fun, you know? Yeah. I want to play a game for a couple of hours, 10 to 20, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Let's just yeah. say the average 10 to 20. And then move on with the rest of my life. I don't need to be serviced. I don't need to play Suicide Squad for the rest of my life or, you know, for a year or two collecting skins. I just don't need to do that. Gotham Knights, you know, God bless it. It failed, I, I would say. It didn't fail. It, it sold pretty well. But I think commercially and among gamers, part of its failing was that, like, it just was like... Why are we making this narrative? I mean, it was mostly a co-op game, but like, why are we like diluting this narrative game, something a Court of Owls story into a kind of RPG multiplayer experience? Like these things for to me kind of clash. And when I'm right. thinking Rocksteady, who make great narrative games and great single player games, and then I see the battle pass uh, menu at the top, that just depresses me. And it, it makes me not want to engage in AAA content anymore. This is why, again, this is the year of fun for me. I'm just modding racing games, playing Clone Hero, and looking forward to my indies because I just don't want to engage in AAA space anymore. Someone else go. I I mean I think you said it perfectly, and this is this is the thing too is like like you just said, Rocksteady is known they everything every game they've made within the last what decade, fifteen years that's been critically acclaimed has been a single player experience. So it's it's easy to say like you know it's easy to, to conflate things and, and turn sure. it into like a pro dev anti dev argument. But it's like, sometimes devs don't have say, like, are you telling me that Rocksteady, like you said, all the games that they've recently been critically acclaimed for, are you telling me that their narrative team, that their design team sat down and said, you know, what would really add to our <laughs> award winning formula <laughs> is if we had a battle pass where you had to earn things. And like, yeah, I don't right. know, there are certain things where it's like, we get caught up in semantics, but I feel like if we're going to, I feel like it's just, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's the liberal in me, but I'm like, maybe we should all just like take the side of like anti-corporation, anti-monetization, just in case, like sure, some things are justified. Like I, we talked about this in private, uh, Daniel and I, but like, I think Halo Infinite for all of its faults has, is the only non-predatory battle pass system that I've seen lately. Um, and even games like this where it's like, oh, well, it's only cosmetic, but it's like, sure, but like you're buying this game, you know, people are looking at the battle pass you, and we all know damn well they put the coolest things behind paywalls, right? Of so course. even though it's just cosmetics, it's like, sure, but like we're getting to a time where this is becoming normalized, where somebody can sit down, somebody buys this game for their kid and they're going through menus, they don't know what a battle pass is, they just see this really cool Nightwing skin that they really, really want. And it's like, if we just keep like letting it slide and saying like, it's fine, it's fine, it's like... It's already become the norm now and it's and like you said we're happy with just cosmetics but it's like well we went from having no battle passes to every game you know oh some games have a battle pass and now it's like every game has a battle pass don't worry though they're just cosmetic okay well when are we going to get to the point where there's weapons in there and when there's you know characters locked behind this that have a build like I don't know. It seems like we've taken. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm depressed too. I'm depressed. Yeah, well, I'm starting. I'm starting to feel your like the indie, the whole indie thing taking a break from AAA. I'm starting to feel that big too. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the the battle pass thing is, and, and like you said with Halo Infinite, I feel like those types of games are so few and far between. Yes. Like Halo Infinite is like the 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 one uh, that I guess isn't predatory. I, I haven't engaged with it, but I, I I trust you and and Dan on that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it it. And just because it has a battle pass doesn't necessarily mean that the good stuff that Rocksteady does, like the single player and the action, is gone. It just yep. puts like a a bad taste in our mouths. And granted, it's before the game has come out; we haven't seen that much. 
but like Gage was saying, all the bad history and all the bad experiences that we had with Battle Pass has just put gamers in such a bad position uh, before the game comes out. Obviously, this they didn't mean to leak this. Someone did it, um, whether it was on purpose or by accident. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting tired of it myself as well. And I, and I realized that, I think I talked about this a while, where I thought I liked games of the services, but the truth is I just like Destiny and mm. everything else. <laughs> I just, I, I, there's none other than Destiny that I'm really that into. So I, I do want these things out of my game as much as possible. Um, yes, Christian. Oh, no, sorry. I was keep going. And I'll no, that's, that's kind of it, honestly. <laughs> my last thing is, 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 honestly, I'm just fed up with being looked at in the games industry as a consumer first and a person who's enjoying experience second. And it just, yeah. it just feels like it's a lot of that all the time. I mean, obviously, there are games that don't do that, but yeah. it, just, it feels that way. Yeah. And yeah. I feel... Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ra. Uh, no, you go for it. I was just yeah, going to say, I feel like a lot of... I said I feel like I feel like that a lot of that is like the game industry has changed so much as a business now like because Bungie back in the day was such a personal company like even to an extent they still somewhat are to now but like not even not even to that full extent though right because like back in the day like some of my favorite memories of Bungie back in the day when they first started their Bungie store they hand packed every single order mm -hmm. in their studio like that was such a cool thing and like they packed in special stuff like I I said I made so many orders back then from the Bungie store and they put little note cards on there that say thank you and they had they even sent one that has signatures on it that I have like stuff like that we don't get anymore and yeah. it is very much because the business has changed yeah sure. and and I, i'm sure christian could back up on this but when like games are like for the player and then they do stuff like what you're saying dan you feel so much more incentivized to want to support them like signalis came out Weird. with like a phys physical physical collection uh where like the game is fantastic it's got everything in there and it's like hey we're doing a little thing for the fans who like it physical version you get a little something with it. it's like yeah i want to support that because you guys don't fuck around with me you gave me a good game and i want to support support you so you make another game later and i don't see myself going out of my way to get collection editions for these big titles or pre-ordering to get a cool skin because those things should be in the game and when I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me when I'm having to pay more for something that already costs so much money, and you're still jipping me at, at the end yes. of the day. It's just, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me just jump in here real quick before you go. No, oh, go, ahead. Okay. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the thing, the thing for me, Rose, that you're so right. Like, I am sure Suicide Squad will be just fine. I am sure it'll maybe even be a great story game. But these kinds of predatory practices for me, like when I look at games like you just mentioned Signalis, when I'm experiencing something like that game, to me, that is emotionally and intellectually enriching as an experience, right? Despite the medium, I, I know it's a video game, but it's an experience first. And when I'm playing other things that are meant to be aimed at like, we want you to exist in this in this service uh, and this kind of monetary practice, it, everything else just gets shifted away because because of these monetary practices. I don't know, Gage, were you going to some, something similar? Yeah, I wanted to jump on what Dan said earlier, not to get super philosophical, but I, it has to be said because it is what it is. When Dan, when you mentioned like, oh, this, the business has changed and this is how it is, I mean, like, it sucks, but it's like, it's this is capitalism, right? Like, video games, the era that you're talking about is when video games were art first. They were made by small right. studios 
had passion. Like when you really think about it, when you think of sci-fi, like you think think of Star Wars, think of Star Trek. When Halo came out in two thousand one, it's pretty fucking unique. The setup and the premise and all that stuff. Like it didn't borrow a lot. We had really interesting new ideas like uh rayman legends stuff like this like there were just really unique ideas happening and because like anything and overwatch is a good example if you want to use a specific game and apply it to the industry but like overwatch is a good example of like a game that was really unique and really pure and then it got so big and it got so many people into it that it kind of deteriorated that's the video game industry in a sense where it's like it used to be about art it used to be about experiences but now it's the number one media uh, consuming business in the world, right? The video games do more year after year than movies and music. So because it's such a profitable, like just industry and like this funding, this cash printing machine, um, you're going to get people stepping in. And that's why it's like, it's, it's hard for me to split hairs on the internet. Even when I see people criticizing entire companies, cause it's like, yeah, obviously there are people that are absolutely toxic for sure. But like when, I don't know, like, it's so, I don't know, the, the fact that there's monetization teams in these big companies, I hate that. I hate that you guys have a dedicated team to figure out how to monetize things, right? Mm. And like, like, like Rose said, every now and again, you get something like, like uh, Halo Infinite, which I guess Dan and I should illuminate. Um, the battle passes never expire. You can switch between them if you own multiple ones at any time. So when we say that's the only one that doesn't feel predatory, I mean, that's, that's what we're getting at. So Am I a huge fan of having a battle pass in Halo? No, if, if it was my choice, I wouldn't. But um, at least in my mind, that's what I think of a non-predatory one. But um, And then one more thing I'll say is I think for this game specifically, the reason why the response was so negative is that we've been hearing a lot about this game for a while now, and they never once mentioned that it is a game as a service. So and that's what I'm so confused about, because every time I go on Twitter, people are like, we knew this, we knew this. Like, no, did we? Did we no, know, didn't. Know they did not. They did well, not. They said this was going to be. It wasn't confirmed. I feel no. like the only thing that we knew was that this could possibly be optional multiplayer. That's what I've heard. Yes. And every time so, I see the the games of service thing being talked about, I was like, we knew this. We were, we already knew this. Why are you guys mad? I was like, they no, we did not. This. That's why Whatever. it's a leak. And that's that, why and we're that's mad why, about it. Exactly. And that's why it's like, okay, well, why are you not telling us about this? Is it because you know that like people aren't going to like it? In which case, it's like. So this is this is where it gets into the weird mental gymnastics where it's like if you know if somebody at this place who's making decision knows that people won't like it which is why you're not telling people it's games as a service you probably shouldn't make it games as a service then preach daddy i'm gonna spit I, i'm just gonna shout out kirok real quick xbox PX, psx to playstation 2 uh oop was the era of creativity and then the rest of ps3 oh, xbox yeah. 360 were just part two part three part four for games established at the start sure Rick, you are based again as <laughs> incredibly based incredible incredible well i started with that story thinking it would be shorter but i think that one might <laughs> actually be the longer one that was, that was very good, good. all Talk four of us are back man. you should have known yeah. better <laughs> very good like a black widow baby very good. M moving to things that aren't as good, uh, Microsoft uh, has some news coming out here. Uh, we've got word that the European Union is reportedly preparing to challenge the Microsoft Act. I, I don't know, why, why do I always struggle with this? Activision acquisition. It's like alliteration. Uh, and Literally. this is 
this is coming on the backs of FTC uh, say, essentially saying they're going to uh, sue to stop the merger as well in the United States. Uh, sources familiar with the matter told Reuters that Microsoft is likely to receive an EU antitrust warning regarding its $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision. So we have that story. I think that story leads very much into this next story. So I'll go ahead and go over that one as well. And we'll have, a, I'm sure we'll have a discussion about that as well. Uh, Microsoft has also announced that 10,000 job cuts are on the way. Uh, and I put a little note here, will this affect gaming? And that was before we really got, you know, some more information, uh, which the answer is yes, it's going to affect gaming. How much will it affect it is still unclear. Um, I believe today, as of today, they had like 700-ish jobs that were um, like cut today officially. Uh, these 10,000 jobs are supposed to be cut by, I believe, March of this year. Um, so already 700 and some out of a job. So the answer is yes. Yes, it will. Joe Staten is apparently returning to Xbox publishing, leaving 343. Uh, and of course, Joe joined 343 in December 2020 uh, to kind of right the ship, essentially, of 343 to get Halo Infinite out the door uh, a year later. Um, and yeah, that has some concerns that go along with it as well. Uh, but on the back of that, we've got Jason Schreier reporting a bunch of stuff. Microsoft won't share specific numbers, but several employees have told me that 343 Industries was hit hard. This comes in the wake of a long-running hiring freeze and a lot of contractor departures. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella made $54.95 million in total compensation last year. Another... Ooh. Joe Staten, uh, who officially joined 343 in 2020, of course, I just went over this, uh, that he is um, leaving as well. Uh, and uh, it sounds like 343's Halo Infinite campaign team got hit hard in an email to staff studio head Pierre Hintz, which <clears throat> Pierre, of course, is the one who came in to co-lead 343 with Joe Staten. Uh, he, he wrote that we've made the difficult decision to restructure elements of our team, which means some roles are being eliminated. So I know there's a lot to go over there, guys. Um, but what are your guys' uh, initial thoughts here? Oh, no. I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts. I was going to say, did you want to start us off, Dan? I'm sure, I can. Yeah. So, yes, this is this is terrible. And like, obviously, this is ter poor timing for Microsoft because they're they're in the works of trying to get an acquisition of a very large company to, I guess, increase, you know, the amount of people that work for their companies and they're just cutting 10,000 jobs. Obviously, you know, Microsoft's a massive company, 220,000 employees or something like that. So, you know, obviously to a certain extent, some of this, you know, happens with big companies like that. But like at the same time, I don't see this helping their case for the FTC and all these companies to say, yeah, go ahead and acquire this company that's doing just fine by itself when you're cutting 10,000 mm -hmm. jobs. Um, so, yeah, that part of it uh, definitely sucks and is, yeah, uh, not great timing. And the whole 343 thing is very disappointing for me obviously as a huge Halo fan and uh, especially that it's affecting campaign. Uh, 
I don't. Yeah, uh, campaign is just campaign is just something that uh, God. This is somebody else go. <laughs> oh man, the uh, the 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 laid off workers. I don't know if this this helps. It doesn't. I'm I'm sure they don't care. But I just wanted to like add a uh, uh, not a just additional information. Laid off workers will receive 60 days notice, six months health care coverage, and stock vesting, and quote above average uh, severance pay. Which uh, when these things do happen, like I remember when uh, the guy who made the Halo developer who opened a studio and then he had to shut it down, but he like made sure all of his uh, employees that were yes, he did the racing destiny kind of game. It was like a hover. Right? I don't remember it was like what disintegration or something like that. Yes, disintegration. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. and he had to shut it down, but he I, he did something really awesome for the people that got that. laid off. Got laid off. So obviously, ten thousand people, and as Dan said, that's a it's it's that's a huge number, but it is also a huge company. And the article also said that's less than five percent. Again, those people who are getting laid off don't feel like that. They feel like right. like what the hell? Why did you guys For sure. lose my job? But again, that is a small portion. But it is nice to see that at least they gave them a, a good amount of notice because that does not happen a lot in the games industry yes. and or at any companies in tech. Really, they just say goodbye. So I think that's that's something that should be uh, highlighted as well, even though this situation just sucks. No matter how much time you have it, it sucks. But I think yeah. that is important as uh, well. Highlighted but not praised for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm still very like skeptical against companies, especially when you record like high profits and executives take home uh, like bonuses yeah. the previous year and you spend billions on an acquisition. Sure, I mean that's usually the case when you acquire a company. There are layoffs that tend to to follow, but Still, ten thousand is is still a very high number. Um, of course, the Bethesda Bethesda got hit, which I think was the more expected one. I, I still would have would have liked to see you know close to zero or none. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a shame that three four three just really got the buck and was like heavily hit. According to Jason, like for what Jason Schreier said was that they they got hit hard, which is a is a bummer for sure. Yeah, Jason Schreier. I mean. His reporting is usually pretty accurate. He's he's arguably one of the best video game journalists of all time, whether or not you like him as a person, which I don't. But um, it's it's unfortunate. And like, I don't know. I I had a I feel like I, I've said on this podcast, but like last year, the summer, not saying that I was a prophet at all, but I am a prophet, um, is that I don't know what E3 last year with how much they are pushing fours and pushing these other games like i remember i made a comment i might i think i said it on the podcast but it might have been um might have been somewhere else might have been private but i was like it feels like xbox is like kind of hedging their bets with xbox with halo being their franchise flagship it seems like maybe they're getting ready to move on to something else Mm. and like i don't know like I've been very critical of Halo Infinite, and I stand by my criticisms, but it doesn't change the fact that Halo is my favorite work of fiction ever made, and this is absolutely devastating. Joe State, Joe, like, well, I can't help but being a realist. The fact that Joe Staten is leaving tells me that he is looking at the ship and going, "This is not right." I can't. If Joe Staten, Staten cannot stay there, the Staten Island himself, if he cannot stay there and get that ship right, does not feel that he can get that ship right. Either A, it means he's not up to the challenge, or B, he sees what none of us see. Again, this is me projecting, could not be true. 
but maybe he sees like, okay, leadership, I'm talking real, real leadership is not giving us what we need. It's not going to get Halo to where it needs to be. And my, my uses would be better suited somewhere else because we all know damn well, well, I guess Dan and I know that Joe cares about Halo more than maybe anyone working at Xbox currently. So if he's jumping ship, this tells me that there's something seriously wrong in one way or another with what's going on with Halo. And I've, I felt it since launch. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but it is a very dark day. And uh, Dan, we are going to have to play some four player campaign co-op to try and mm. try and shake out yeah. of this. Yeah. Uh, just to continue what I was trying to say before. Essentially, what I was trying to say is a lot of the, the campaign makes all the campaign means a lot to a lot of people and yes. me especially. And it's very disappointing to hear that the campaign team specifically is getting cut so badly because that is like one of my closest things to my heart is Halo's story. So like, yeah. yes, I love multiplayer and I play a ton of multiplayer, but man, I that story I just love and those characters I love and I just want to continue uh, getting new stories. So I really hope that 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 doesn't destroy that uh, moving forward with this happening. Um, and absolutely, uh, my heart goes out to all the people that were affected by this. This is awful. Um, yeah. Now, to pivot a little bit away from that for a second, I don't think that this is complete doom and gloom for Halo proper. Maybe, maybe, maybe this marks the end of Halo campaigns. Who knows with the, what Jason Chet said? But I don't think Halo proper is going anywhere anytime soon. I think that three four three has a lot of other people there that you know still care about the game, still care about the service. You know, if they start losing other people that are key people that are in my mind key people at three four three, then maybe we start you know asking more questions. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up here, uh, this comes from Mint Blitz. He's a, a well-known community member in the Halo community. He put on here, 343 has been impacted by recession layoffs just like everybody else. Joe usually comes on to finish games and then goes back to publishing, which is a fair point. Joe did come into a lot of games uh, back in, you know, I believe he started 2013-ish, somewhere around there, 2014. Uh, and he came in and made games with third-party developers like Recore and um, other little you know titles and helped them get to the finish line for the games. So it's possible that Microsoft, their plan was always to bring Joe in just so he could get Halo to the finish line and then kind of bring him back to Xbox Publishing because that is where he's going back to um, and maybe mm. has a larger role there in overseeing maybe Halo and maybe more properties as well. Um, and... Also, Mimplitz seems to say he. I've seen numerous 343 devs say this already. So apparently they've been saying it. Uh, he even has a picture here of Fletch, who's a, another big community guy that actually got hired by 343 to do graphics work. And he says, not stopping long, but just want to say Halo isn't going anywhere, mate. I get, I get people are concerned right now, but this isn't the end. So, and one more, one more optimistic thing. Project Tatanka is being made by um, Certain Affinity, which is not associated with Microsoft whatsoever. So that project should not be affected by this. Um, so hopefully, there's you know a little bit of a bright spot there uh, and not complete doom and gloom. Hmm. Right. I had some tweets I was going to share, but they're a bit doom and gloom, so I won't. <laughs> no, I, I, if they if they if they want to add more to the conversation, absolutely. 
I yeah, I just I don't know. I I think I agree with most with most of what you said. I think we should probably be asking questions now. So Patrick Patrick Wren uh, is senior designer on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, but he was the former senior multiplayer mm -hmm. designer at Halo. Yep. And he recently had a little uh, thing to say here when. And, and for uh, for me, this is kind of the picture I had in my head. But I, like we said, Dan's right. We don't know exactly what's going on there. But he did say he did say this today. Actually, this is about an hour ago when they announced the layoffs. The people, and this is a quote. For, this is word for word. This is what he said. So this is a sweet quote. The people I worked with every day were passionate about Halo and wanted to make something great for the fans. They helped usher. They helped push for a better Halo and got laid off for it. Devs are still working hard on that dream. Looking forward to be kind to them during this awful time. Um, the layoffs at 343 shouldn't have happened, and Halo Infinite should be in a better state. The reason for both of those things is incompetent leadership up top during Halo Infinite development, causing massive stress on those working hard to make Halo the best it can be. So, I mean, th this is the issue, right? You have you have a lot of people throwing a lot of undeserved hate at 343, but when people say, you know, Halo is not where it should be, or like, are just kind of throwing a wide net, like, I don't know, it's. You could split hairs, but it seems like there's something going on, and I don't know. It's, but again, it's, it's similar to that to what we've been talking about this entire episode. It's it's executives getting in in front of uh, creatives, right? So this guy, there might be more context. This guy might have it only a small piece of the picture, but this is what I picture happening. You have hardworking people there who are passionate about Halo, who want to make this game something special, and then you have the very top leadership who may or may not think they're making the right calls, kind of butting heads with the development team, butting heads with the creatives who are actually working on the game. So, and I don't know. And I'm going to state this real quick. If Pierre leaves like here in the next week, I'm going to fucking shout from the rooftop. So we're fucked because yeah. that, that man is fantastic. That man's quite literally the reason why master chief collection is now fixed. So yes, I mean, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, it's a dark, it's a dark day for halo fans. Absolutely. I have a positive tweet. Oh yeah. <laughs> not not related to Halo. What is it? <laughs> Bring it to us. Uh today, twelve hours ago, Hideo Kojima posted a picture of him at A twenty four. A very, oh, very oh. lovely picture. I wonder what he's doing. Oh yeah. He's probably just visiting. Oh. Watching a movie. <laughs> I'm over Hideo Kojima. Whoa. I'll never be over my ex. <laughs> my ex. All right, guys. We're skipping fantasy draft check-in because that's our topic of the show. It will return as a segment next week. But uh. before that, normally the time for what you got for me, but we're introducing our new segment called T-Lu Timeout. Beautiful name, Christian. Uh, the Last of Us HBO's premiere has scored HBO's second biggest premiere in a decade with 4.7 million viewers, and, and that's only in the U.S. Uh, very impressive numbers, and we are going to have a little recap and discussion about episode one right now. Lead us off, Christian. Me? Yeah, Christian. I, yeah, go ahead, why? Christian. I don't know. Because you're the one who's in the lion's den. <laughs> uh, I, I am not going to rant just yet because I want to let others have the opportunity to go first. So I, I actually will start with some more positive stuff that I enjoyed about the show. I'm, I'm not as high as everyone else is. I think, it's, I think it's a good pilot, but not the strongest of Mason's work. I think Chernobyl is, is far and away better. From what we've seen so far, it's, it's only episode one. Um, I would personally rate it around a seven out of ten for me. I, I, I enjoyed it, but there, there are a lot of things that I have issues with. 
get into more of that later. But for me, the positive is that I think I think a lot of people, a lot of the journalists were right. Like I think the show is strongest when it's straying away from the core narrative, which is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But I'll explain it here a bit. Uh, I think the opening with the scientists in the '60s is is far and away my favorite part of the episode because, like, I think what it did right there was really establish the dread from the get-go before we're even introduced to our, our core cast, which I thought was fantastic. Also, Big Head is there as one of like the moderator, which I thought was funny. If you know who Big Head is, you've seen maybe Silicon Valley. Um, I think even the core cast, like expand, like people write, expanding, having room to expand really worked a lot. Having, getting, letting us see uh, Joel and Sarah eat breakfast together felt nice. And it felt like I was being introduced to them all over again, but in a, in a new and in, in different way that I, that I really liked. And then here's, here's another thing. And, and are we doing spoilers, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So if uh, anyone doesn't want it. Warning. Yes. Yeah. Anyone doesn't want it spoiled. Just skip ahead about five minutes or 10 minutes. If you haven't played the 10 year old game or watched the show, <laughs> which for more, for better or worse is a one-to-one -one pretty much retellings yeah. like summary wise, then yes, skip ahead five minutes. Yeah. But. Or if you're watching uh, live, mute, mute it right now. Mute yeah, mute it, mute it. Um, Glenn, you should have already watched this, Glenn. Yeah. You should have watched this. I gave <laughs> you my Crave password, and I did it that Saturday. <laughs> Crave it. Uh, there's one more scene that I want to point out to you, which is uh, like the transition into 20 years later, when, it, when it's the, the kid who's entering the Boston QZ. That works really well at establishing like how mm. shitty and fucked up the world is and like how much damage the cordyceps fungus is doing um i both like that and feel it's also a bit weird like tv has the, the has the option of doing that you can do that in games as well but you kind of have to stick to the vehicle of the narrative which is your the player you're playing as right um the weirdest thing about these things is like despite how much it works it's still a little bit antithetical to what the last of us is and always was which is joel and ellie's relationship that that changes but it, it's still at the heart of the two stories um, and so I'm finding that really interesting, like, wow, the moments where Joel and Ellie aren't present end up being some really strong parts of the show, which is just fascinating to think about. Mm. I'll stop there. Okay. Can I correct this, man? <laughs> Go for it. The you antithesis. Wrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, give a note here. All right. I'm, listen, I, this needs to be said. <laughs> <sighs> Everyone likes to say that this last of a show is successful or the best scenes are when they deviate from the story. They do not deviate from the story at all. You guys are all lying to yourselves. Trying you we're all it's it's crazy. We're looking at the same piece of media. The are show we? just fills in the gaps between one to one retelling the story. It is not it doesn't deviate away from the story at all. It's just like I've loved when when Tess was uh, being interrogated by Robert's men, because that is exactly what Neil could have had in his mind in the game. We just didn't see it because she has that scene. She goes and lies into bed. And then when Joel wakes up, it is one-to-one -one exactly what happens in the game. So I, yeah. I push back on I, everyone saying that the, that this, that it's at its best when it deviates. Cause I don't think it is deviating. I think it's just expanding on the one-to-one -one story that it's pretty much retelling. There are minor changes. Like, um, I don't know how I feel about, uh, reworking uh joel and uh tommy's current day relationship i don't know yes if that, that is was a necessary one change of the biggest that changes that is a deviation my friend okay so yes that is but are you saying that's that's the part that you liked because it just looked like you had a problem with it 
No, and I and I do have I have I have problems with that with the characterization of Joel specifically. We'll get into that. Keep going. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm more interested in what so you're saying. I what I'm yeah. I'm not saying that there are none. I'm saying that every I, everyone's making it out to be like this is the reason this is successful is because it's deviating from the story. It's pretty fucking close. Pretty one to one. I don't know. I don't know if we're all watching the same show. I maybe I'm wrong. I really don't think I am though. Like when they pull up to the fucking stop sign, I was like, this is literally the same exact scene. And I think that that is great. So, th- so let me get to how I actually feel. I, and I don't. I, we, we talked about this before and I did some thinking and I think I, I think I already said this last time on the podcast, but I've kind of thought about it to myself and I don't think this is the right answer. I think this is just two sides of the same coin. You either think one way or the other. Um, but I think that an ad- adaptation is not for the core fans. I, I've kind of settled on this where it's like if a Stephen yes. King book is being adapted into a movie, it's not for the Stephen King fans. It's for people who haven't seen it. So when The Last of Us, the game is adapted to a TV show, it should be one to one because it's not for us, the gamers. It's for people who haven't seen the story. That is why I prefer the one to one adaptations, because I would I love that I can sit down with my mom and we can talk about what we've seen so far. And I could have not seen the show. We could, I, I know for a fact, I could have just played the game and she could have watched the show and we could have had a cohesive conversation about the beginning of the story because it is very similar to one-to-one. That's what I personally want from this adaptation. I'm, again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty damn certain that's what I watched an hour and a half of on Sunday night. Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm very happy with it. I would give it a nine out of 10. I thought it was fantastic. I think this being the second biggest premiere behind House of the Dragon is totally earned. I'm very excited. Although I do agree with Christian, I don't think this will be better than Chernobyl. Chernobyl is one of the best things on television mm-hmm. that I've seen in a very long time. So while I, while I'm very excited for The Last of Us, and I think it'll be a very high quality show because there's a lot of high quality people behind it, I'm not expecting it to be the best thing ever. But very happy with the premiere. Roshan, I want to know what you think. <laughs> uh, I'll. I mean, I could go later. I feel like I might be rehashing what you said. So I'm, I kind of want to hear what Christian was going to say about you saying that you liked the one-to-one about the stop sign. And he said he didn't like that. I want to know why he didn't like that. Well, I don't want to talk just yet. I mean, there's still half the crew here who hasn't said their piece. So. Hell yeah. Daniel, I mean, I'm just going to be talking about how much I like it. But Dan, how, how, what are you going <laughs> to <That's> say? <laughs> Bro, you didn't even talk about it. You tell me how much you liked it. <laughs> this guy's deflecting. I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel, I just feel like you guys not liking it or not things that you don't like about it might be more interesting than me just saying how much I like Nico, Nico Parker as Sarah. Oh my Ooh, god, yeah. Yeah. freaking fantastic yeah. <laughs> as Sarah. And I think killed it. I think it's awesome that like these characters don't look like the characters, but they feel mm. so much like the characters, which is just a testament to how good these Except actors are. There's, sorry? Except for Marlene. Except for Marlene. Just Marlene. And I love the, I don't remember which one, which I think Gage, you were the one who said that you didn't like the opening scene with the talk show. I love that. I feel like that, like what Christian said, I think it set it up so well. I was like already feeling tense and the show just started. Like, this is how I feel playing The Last of Us. And it's already, I'm already feeling that right now. Um, But this, and the show is like genuinely scary, especially Outbreak Day for me. Like when I'm playing the games, and maybe I felt this way when I was playing it for the first time, but I felt Mm -hmm. like more tense watching this, especially with, how they build it up slowly right. with like the watch shops closing down and the, right. the, the old lady uh, in the background the neighbors. That great. That was great. Hell, dude, that was so freaking creepy. And did, yeah, I like, your, I love, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just love how they, they set up outbreak day. And like you said, they expanded on outbreak day. And I, and I, I don't want to say it's better because the last of us, the video game is fantastic, but it, there's definitely something I think being gained 
from this yes. TV adaptation that we just didn't get in the games that is just, like you said, expanding on what we already have and making it feel a little bit more, I don't, a, a bit more real for me. I, I, I think what they added was, was necess- not necessary, but is, uh, is really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And I like the Ellie stuff that they did uh, before he, she met uh, with, up with Joel. Marlene's change with like, and Tess's and Joel's change, their reasoning for wanting to get outside being the battery and being mm-hmm. Tommy. I think that's cool. I, I think I like these little changes that they made. And uh, I, 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 I almost feel, felt bad showing my mom the opening scenes with, with Sarah dying. Yeah. I was like, I, I like, I know you, you want to watch this, but like, are you ready to cry your heart out? <laughs> like, I, I feel bad showing you this. Um, and I thought they did a fantastic job. And those one-to-one scenes, like with Joel turning and looking at Sarah and the, 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 the truck scene was, I think, adapted so well. Like, I love, it's like so cool jump in. that. I was going to jump so in. Nice. I was going to say, did you get like that anxiety spike during that? Yes. Like they, they recreated that so well. That's what I'm saying. Like when they were in the camera and Joel's like smash on the dashboard, he's like back up, back up. And Tommy's yeah. like, I can't, they're behind me. I want to say, so Nico Parker, excellent shout out. I think she best performance of this episode by far. It's not even close. She's already she gone. fucking killed it. And <laughs> I finding out, that she's, <laughs> finding out that she's signed away Newton's daughter. I was like, Oh, that's where I know you from. Mm-hmm. You look so similar. And she, and she killed it in Westworld. Um, but I want to say, like, I, nobody's saying it. I think Gabriel Luna as Tommy f- is amazing. There are certain times right. where I was, I looked down and I looked, Very I was good. like, that sounds like him. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. he's got, when he calls Joel to pick him up from the jail, which again, there are changes that mm-hmm. like when I, when, some of these changes that we talk about, like to me, it's like, these are minor details. These are things you wouldn't say in a recap, in a summary, if you're talking with somebody at a water cooler conversation, you wouldn't go scene by scene and say like, Oh, well, the reason for Joel coming home so late was Tommy. Like, no, there are small things that they change, but I think really work. So I want to say, while I'm going to agree with Christian uh, in a few minutes here when he says uh, about uh, Tommy and Joel's relationship, I agree with you. Hmm. But also, <laughs> um, I do like the sw- I do like having a switch up, like Shan said, because now it gives Joel a reason to want to leave so quickly. Because I, I did. No, I know. I, I noticed. That. No, see, I think it's necessary because. I liked that oh. they expanded and showed how cold and disconnected Joel was. And I think those scenes, which I like, like especially the burn pit one, which I think is a great touch for his character. That's so sure. tragic. Um, if, if, it, if he didn't need to leave the QZ and Marlene tried to talk him into taking Ellie, he'd be like, no, I feel like this TV show Joel that we've seen so far. So I feel like they had to give him a reason to leave and want to leave, but I'm going to agree with you where I don't like the reason specifically. Anyways, yes. I'll, yeah, ahead. I'll explain later after Dan goes because this yeah. guy should say his piece as well. Sure. Uh, I so I'm somewhere in between you guys because <laughs> like I very much enjoyed it and I think it's a really great spectacle. Uh, I think overall, from my eyes, I I think I somewhat agree with Gage that the overall story I feel is pretty similar, but then the, the littler details have changed, like. Of course, Sarah being home alone, Joel leaving her, right. uh, her going over to the the neighbor's house, which I actually found that more fascinating that scene yes. than Joel very just tense. coming back. Yeah, it was very <laughs> tense. Like she looks at the the old woman, like, "Wait, are you good?" Like she before she walks right. out, she's like, "You good?" Like you're looking a little crazy there. Uh, Shout out to the dog. The yeah. dog was going to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> the dog <laughs> not wanting to go back home is like, oh, fuck, it's happening. That was heartbreaking. <laughs> like, yeah. these are these small moments where it's like, wow. Yeah. I agree with you, yeah. Dan. I think that worked much better than her staying alone in her house. And yeah. like when she was when she was turned around looking at the DVDs 
and the grandma was out of focus twitching out. I was like, oh, don't like this at all. Really? And you don't like this. I think I think the interesting part, like what Christian was saying, like a lot of the parts that I liked a lot were the parts that changed. And like that's that's what's so fascinating to me because like I know I've been on record saying I would rather have more changes because I want to have a story that I'm not expecting. You know, I already I've already played sure. The Last of Us. I already know what that story is. Like I'd like to see something else, but also I'm not upset that it's you know following pretty much what the story was. Uh, but uh, like you even get like cool moments like when uh, when Joel and Tommy and, and Sarah are all in the car and they're driving on the road and they almost get hit like that had to be like an awesome. ode yeah to the, to the fans that was really cool to see that moment and then of course the plane crashing was just bananas but uh yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I i so i'm somewhere in the middle i agree with a little bit of For what sure. both of you guys are saying and uh but yeah Can i say that that was that is the type of like nod to the fans that i i think that is like one of the greatest little like it's a, such a tiny yeah. thing but that was yeah. a great fake out moment that was amazing because they started going with you. and i saw joel turn and i was again i'm watching this with my girlfriend who's watched me we're trying to get through the last but she's watching me play it and my mom, who's like way back in the day, I made her watch all the cutscenes <laughs> tied together. But this was like, you know, nine years ago. So I'm sitting there watching it and Joel goes to turn and I'm like, yeah. And then he, and it doesn't happen. And I was like, that's, a, that's what I like to see. That is cool. That is very cool. And again, that, that plane scene, I was actually a bit worried from the trailer, but this is the thing where it's like, even some of these changes, these are well thought out changes. Seeing those planes go one after another, I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. planes would have to get rerouted if this happened. And I yep. was like, what happened? Like, just I fucking love this episode, my guy. <laughs> I fucking love it. Sorry, go to go. Yeah, does you circle back, Christian? You you want to add in some Christian, more? Christian, I want to go. To, I want to get the fans. Yeah, out. yeah. No, no, well, I mean, this could. I mean, I want to phrase this as conversation, not just me unloading. So, uh, I want to. I want to preface that none of my complaints have anything to do with casting. I think people who are like on TikTok are complaining about Bella Ramsey's casting can fuck off. Uh, and I think I think Pedro Pascal's Joel is incredible. I think Gabriel Luna is Tommy, just like Gage said, is fucking phenomenal. Um, that out of the way. All that out of the way. I, I think... I, I, yeah, I want to oh, give one quick little preface. I think we need to give credit where credit's due. Fans, like, because a lot of the times people are stupid about casting, and people were mm. skeptical of casting, but if we're being honest, online even diehard fans i've have kind of seemed to warm up almost immediately there's not a lot of pushback anymore that i've seen i've noticed it's gone down significantly audience go rating and critic rating <laughs> go on tiktok is TikTok <laughs> really yeah you know what don't go on there i'm listen, sorry listen to the beacon of yeah let's 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 simmer down if you look at Rotten tomatoes back. which is the place where everyone gets review bombed audience score and critic score are almost identical so well, let's let's not Fans I, are pretty happy with this first episode. I was actually one of those people that was, uh, I was questioning Bella Ramsey I before. I was hesitant to. Fuck out of here. Well, before, yeah, no, no, no. Before, like when we were getting the trailers and stuff, I'm like, I don't know if she's going to do that role very well, but then she killed it. I thought she did yeah. a great job. Yeah. No, I was right there with you, Dan, especially because Kate, there's there's an actress named Caitlin Dever who is absolutely love... fantastic. She's got the chops. And that when, was my fan favorite. As soon as this was announced, she actually, I think she tweeted out a picture of her converse to Neil Druckmann and was like, I'm ready to go. So I, I'm with you, Dan. Like, I was like, man, I have, like, she's perfect. I have it in mind. She wants to do it. She's familiar with the source material. So I was worried about Bella Ramsey as well. But I, I like you and like, like, again, I'm going to try and 
put the mob away. I think most of the fans are pretty mm. happy after this first episode. With I don't think a lot of people have uh, issues with it, except for the TikTokers, yeah, which, I guess the are, which I guess are considered a beacon of intellect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I, lay out your changes. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, I, I think there 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 are enough changes that are so small enough that I think make for very different readings of the characters that we have. And right now, it's only one episode in, so this is you know subject to change. But I think as of right now, I think I have issues with Joel, mostly and specifically Joel. I think okay. there is enough stripped nuance from game versus television that does not work for me and reads a bit amateur. And this is the difference between grief and trauma. In the game, obviously, Joel is very grief-strucken 20 years later, right? right. Uh, but he has, like, internalized that. This is what, what Gage was saying about, like, how he turns into this very cold, stoic, distant figure. This is who he becomes. But he is over that, like, mourning of Sarah. He wakes up. And he continues his day, right? He does not drink. He is not an alcoholic who is still living in the past because it was so long ago. The TV is very much foregrounding that trauma is still present right now, despite 20 years later. Joel is still very much like drinking his feelings away to subdue them. And the camera does a lot of these things where it's cutting back to like him thinking about that moment 20 years later. Um, And then there's one moment at, at the very end of the episode where the the soldier is pointing the gun at, at, at Ellie and Pedro has a literal flashback to uh, at the beginning of the episode when Sarah dies. To me, this is like problematic because yeah. I don't like Craig Mason respect to you, man. But like we should you should assume the audience is smart enough yes. to understand and make those connections. I don't need to be like having yeah. this shown <laughs> when it was like, what, 45 minutes ago? Yes, I, I, I can do that on my own. OK. And I think what, what, what trauma really does is going to change the way we think about Joel moving forward because he's still in the midst of that. Not to say it's bad right now, but that it's different and I'm skeptical. And I'm interested to see how it plays out in the future. One of the things that Gage brought up as well is his, to me, the reluctance to leave the QZ speaks a lot about who he is as a grief struck character who is perfectly content with being complacent. That relationship change with Tommy three weeks ago just left and his eagerness to leave changes that and I'm questioning whether or not Jackson will show up in the future because I think for me what the game does is represent two things for restore uh, restoring Joel's humanity Ellie and then Tommy and Jackson Tommy leaving for so long and then encountering Jackson Jackson is a physical manifestation of that representation of restoring humanity in Joel and making the connection between Ellie and this like capabilities of being alive again and being a person moving beyond that grief. Not to say the show will not do that, but I am curious to see how it's going to be different. And the eagerness to leave the QZ makes me question how that is going to play out and leaves me with skepticism. I'm going to stop there. Okay, so I was sorry. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to ask, has the show ever had flashbacks where it literally flashbacks into the same episode? Like that, Not good ones. That's what that's what <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah. Not very good ones. You're totally so right. I'm, I'm really upset because I was like, let's get the fangs out. And the, the first point you start off with is the one that I completely agree with you on. I the flashback at the very end. 
and I didn't see this is perfect because my small brain can't figure out why it feels this way this way. And then I talked mm. to you and I'm like, oh, that's exactly it. Because there absolutely is a difference between grief and trauma. And there is a difference between being withdrawn from the world. Because that's the thing. Joel doesn't carry a picture of Sarah with him, right? He's completely right. not necessarily moved on, but has tried to like disconnect with that version of himself. And that does that is changing that. So that is when I say like I give it a nine out of ten, maybe eight and a half. Now we're talking about it, but that <laughs> no, no, no. that that entire point, that entire point in my head was that last scene that I was thinking about. I was that is like that you said it perfectly. It's amateur. It's very much like okay, remember remember his daughter, and it's like well, yeah, that was thirty minutes ago. I I, rem <laughs> I remember, yes. and the scene the scene was two two and a half minutes long of crying and blood. I I remember vividly. And I didn't even catch the drinking, but you're absolutely right. It does frame the character differently. Um, you're totally right with you're totally right with Jackson because Jackson is him seeing humans when he goes to Jackson. It is very much Joel seeing that humans can live and not just survive, right? Like that is that is pretty much mm. what Jackson represents in the game, right? And that is this is this is pretty much what you said, but it's like in the QZ, he is very much just like content surviving. He's breathing, he's eating, he's, sh he's shitting, and he's sleeping, and that's it. Whereas when you have Ellie, who's the catalyst, and then you have Jackson and Tommy, where it's like, oh, pe people can live. Kids are going to watch movies tonight. You know what I mean? Like, that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I, do I do absolutely agree with that. Um, that was my... I don't even have anything to, to, to back, because as soon as they did that flashback, I was like, that's... <laughs> and with the people behind the camera, I was surprised they did that. I was like, you should mm. really know better. And HBO is like, like, especially if you watch something like Game of Thrones or The Wire or Sopranos, like, they do not hold your hand at all. So I, I was a bit worried about that. And if they're going to keep doing that, it does change the tone of that entire thing, right? Yeah. Joel should have done that because he's ruthless and he's not going to let a, a QZ guard get in the way of him, him and Tess, you know, making their living. That is, that should have been his motivation to ending that guard's life, not having a flashback. Like I really did not to like Sarah. That at yeah, all. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I I'm agree not, with you on that point. And I'm not going to try to argue that this is bad or that it makes the show worse because we're only in one episode in and we have eight yeah. more to go and we can totally see like a, an arc, right? But that like the start, having known the source material, puts me at a like very precarious position where it's like I don't know if I like this new reading of a character that I thought was already pretty well. Uh, written and nuanced enough right uh i'll move quickly for my next ones and this is like the one-to-one -one remake of shots that have been going around i like them to an extent i think they're fine but i think at its worst they're there mostly for fan service yeah which to me does nothing as a tv show and as like a, a as a story Sure, I can enjoy them as a person who's played the game, but like, what are they doing? What what, what purpose are they serving, right? And so I had to really think about this uh, a couple days ago when I was, and, and then today when I was like writing it out, um, like for me to say on the show. <laughs> it's weird because like what games have is interactivity. Um, these one-to-one -one shots, like I, I was agreeing with Gage on like the way the rug is pulled during the car scene, right? Uh, the thing for, for me about the car scene during Outbreak is that like, claustrophobic is both present in the game and in tv in the game though you are in control of sarah mm -hmm. the tension there comes from where you are looking at and and what you're hearing right you're seeing the farm you're turning around to see like what the family is doing that, that are stranded a lot of the angles that the tv is presenting they're a little bit like covering the outside where we're I'm mostly looking at the dashboard and this is kind of more of a nitpick but i think what this does for me 
is that there's less room for me to experience the dread as kind of, I don't know, it's weird again, because as in games, you're, I'm able to position myself as Sarah and be part of that. But with objectivity of, of the camera, I, I can't do that. And so what I think about is like, well, what can cameras do that a video game can't do? Well, they can put them other places. So then I start to question, then why the one-to-one? Why not force me to look and show me this dread and do something more interesting than just show me the dashboard, even though I really liked the tension in that scene. It's different. See, that's uh, where I would that's where I would disagree though, because I, I'd say fine. a good a good shot in a video game is a good shot in um in, in film or television. And what does it serve? It serves the same purpose. Like seeing the house on fire, dread. That's what that serves. And seeing uh, seeing the family as they go by and, and Joel not stopping. I mean, what's, what purpose does that serve? It's, it serves setting up Joel's character of survival first. I'm going to look after mine before anyone else. So, L take. Go ahead. Next one. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll give him a next one. Oh, Dan, please. No, I'm just going to say, I think I sent a message to Gage, actually, that I was like, these shots are almost one-to-one of the game, and I don't like that. Like, it's, it, it feels like they're just trying to force these shots. Like, No, it was incredible. Being inside the truck, that was that was the most anxious I've been watching a television show in a long time. doesn't matter that I've played it in the game. This isn't the game. This is a, this is a television show. And it's that fair. claustrophobia, that camera angle, for me, worked, because it worked in the game. And I feel like the reason that we like those scenes in the game is because they feel like a movie sometimes. It's like, it's yes. so, it's like, wow, it's, it's so like, cinematic. It's so much like TV. It's right. Like, yeah. It's, a, it's almost it's like, it's almost like chicken in and the egg. But it feels like you're in control of a movie. That's what everybody says about Naughty Dog games. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. It's mm-hmm. like you're playing a movie. It's like you're playing and a like, TV show. Okay. The interactivity to an extent, because everybody looked at the burning house. Everybody, everybody, you know what I mean? So when you say, That's it's where like, you're I, looking. Yeah. when you say like, oh, in the game, I have the option to turn around and look at the empty Why would you look at a blank? I'm sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean, right? Okay, so let, let me let me shift into my final note, which is the, the room on the edge of the Boston quarantine zone, which I've seen a lot of people praise for its one-to-one camera work and, and kind of set design and, and where the characters are placed and what they're doing and what they're saying. We saw that a lot today. For me, again, this scene works in the game, and it sounds like a nitpick, and it is, uh, because it is a break from that gameplay, right? When the gameplay is, like, exciting and, and like, you're in control, Having a switch to a cutscene does something. Suddenly you have to stop and you have to think about the events that just occurred and what is going to happen. This scene worked for me in the game because it's slowed down and it's dripping with atmosphere. Think about how dark the room is. Think about the noises that you're hearing in the game. You're hearing the window being bombarded with the rain. You're seeing the lighting from the like outside creep in, but only enough to light Ellie kind of like and then like for me it's like when she's talking about the dark unknown what is out there she has mm-hmm. that moment where she breaks from her character she just met joel and she looks at him as like this like almost paternal figure but something that she's like maybe could trust and, and asks it can't be that bad out there can it and there is fear but also the beginning of that trust switch the show which again is a is a one-to-one shot wise recreation of that moment but it plays different because it's just another scene and it's not a break from gameplay. The lighting in that scene is very warm. It's orange, which is different to the coldness of the game, which is meant to like instill a little bit of that tension because you're about to be going outside. Uh, <laughs> and yes, we're using the same lines and that's cool. And I love when they're doing in the beginning, like uh, I sell hardcore drugs. But <laughs> for me in this part, 
the ending isn't this question where Ellie asks, like, it can't be out that bad out there, can it? Instead, it's Ellie cracking a joke, which is good. It's a very Ellie thing to do, but it's at the, it's supposed to be like at a very like emotional moment, right? Where she's beginning to open up just a little bit. And what the joke is, is it's a crutch to to then at the end of the episode, tease the next episode. And that to me feels like a little bit antithetical to like the patience the game had at that moment during the cutscene. I agree True. with that. Yeah, I didn't like that change either, honestly. <laughs> That's yeah, I wasn't too hot on that that whole scene. Actually, they do have to take the format of the television show into a, into account, yeah. though. I think I agree with you. With I agree with you entirely with the visuals of it. I I didn't like the change in tone, but I don't know. I feel like her saying that in the in the game with like all that dread. And again, the game is just better. I think I think as of so far from what sure. we've seen. But it's like she can say that with the dread, and then you can you can be one hour into your four hour session, and then you can experience the dread yourself immediately after. Whereas, like, mm. if they were to try and make that line land with dread, but you have to wait a week to like, you're not going to be feeling dread anymore by the time, right? So that is kind sure. of like yeah. that's my rationalization Point. of it. But I I agree with you with the lighting. Like, I was kind of upset to not have that because the rain specifically when you mentioned against the window. When I think of that scene, that is what I hear. I I hear the rainstorm, and I and like. Like you said, the lighting just kind of creeping through and illuminating Ellie. Yeah, I agree with I agree with the. Uh, I'm, I'm I don't know why they changed that up visually, but one very small minor thing is that if we're going to be using Gustavo Santoyala's work, please use it for more than five seconds, <laughs> uh, and use and use it to like exude atmosphere and punctuate that longer than just like remember this song from the, the ending of the game that we're going to place at the beginning. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's my other thing. Good yeah, show. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to see where the rest of it goes. I'll still be tuning in week to week. Don't put too much music well, in my drama shows. Uh, Kirik asks, what about the clickers? Did they do a good job portraying their character in the show versus the game? We, we don't know. We haven't seen that. them yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirik, week? you will be happy to know that um, this just broke either today or yesterday after the premiere. But I guess the voices of the original clickers that did all the voice work for it. There's one guy and there's one girl. They're, they're back doing it for the show. So wow. in terms job. of audio and atmosphere, Kirik, hopefully it should be the same. And I mean, prosthetics wise, from what we've seen, it looks amazing. Oh yeah, I would say I that mean, they did. They did. They did. They did good with the runners. Sorry, I just. I just fucking. Oh yeah. There, like a DVD for a second, but <laughs> the the runners. They're, they're so far from what we've seen. The runners again. Tiny thing. Terrifying. We don't have to spend. We don't have to spend time in it. Not a big fan of the tendrils. I get why though, because with the ambiance of The Last of Us, when he moved the dresser and all the dust was sitting there, I was thinking about. It, I was like, people would just have gas masks on all the time. Like in video games, I think we automatically suspend a little more disbelief because it's there's gameplay mechanics we're all aware of ludo narrative dissidents we all have that kind of thing where it's like i was thinking about it, i was like yeah i guess if this was real life and you walked into any sort of abandoned building you'd have no idea if that's just ambient dust or spores so i guess it wouldn't necessarily translate mm -hmm. well but tendrils is not as exciting like dan was kind of hyping up he's like ah it kind of looks like resident evil and i was sitting there i was like fuck this looks like resident evil <laughs> this is, it was just uh, different wow. different vibe but yeah. small thing, but Kirik, like that won't really affect the. Sh like I don't think that'll affect much of the show. Indeed. Uh, just, I'm not even gonna. It's not even that crazy. Did you guys see like the click or the clicker or the infected on the building at the very end of the episode? I didn't see it. I had to be shown it. Like after I did. It. I had to be shown it as well. I had to be shown yeah. it as well. Yeah. I've not seen it. I didn't notice. Yeah, he's like did he's like guys... roaring on top of a building or something at the end. That's of the like oh that's cool. That's pretty fucking cool. Did you guys catch the uh, flower thing as you yes. were watching it? Oh, no. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. I did, too, because I was sitting there, and I'm, like, Rashan and I, obviously, I'm the vice president of the uh, Last of Us fan club, so I, I know my shit. I was going into this completely, like, I had refreshed my brain and stored things, and I knew about the corn in the game, 
So I was just kind of waiting for something. And like, as soon as it was like, you want biscuits? And then she's like, oh, well, they're, they're, they're raisins, not chocolate chip. And she's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, ooh, flour. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it didn't, yeah, it happened after I made that connection. After the cookies, I made the biscuit connection. And it's just it's, enough. It's, it, it, it's, it's something that I wish like shows like The Walking Dead took a little bit more time. And again, it, it's just when you get, when you're adapting really good source material that already thinks of this stuff, I guess it's kind of easier. But like, it just kind of shuts down the people later down the line will be like, oh, you know, just coincidentally, they didn't get it infected. It's like, it's, I like the little kind of breadcrumbs where it's like, if you're somebody who didn't notice that, not going to change the story for you at all. But if you're somebody who wants to be a stickler, it's like, oh, they didn't have, they couldn't make pancakes that morning because they're out of flour. <laughs> it's like small little things like that, where it's like that diseases have started like that from before, right? The salmonella, chicken shipments and all that stuff, you know? What, what I did have to get shown was that uh, when they talk about Jakarta at the beginning of the episode, I was like, well, why, why talk about Jakarta? And that's something that just I'm not well-versed enough like, to know what's, what's there. Yeah. Um, and it turns out the biggest producer of flour in the world, Jakarta. Yeah. Oh, wow. I have to be shown that, too. I'm that that was I'm really cool detail. Yeah. We should definitely move on to the topic of the show, though. My this God. Is, I mean, this is, yeah. I take full responsibility. I was like, in a little five-minute five minute. adventure, yeah. we'll be good. Yeah, thank you for everyone for joining us for that five or ten minute, you know. I know. Somebody there. unmuted five minutes in, and it was me saying, like, Whoops. oh, Sarah just got fucking wrecked. And then they're like, wait, what? Uh, oops. Sorry. Lord. Sorry about that. I'm sorry, Grandma. We're not talking about it, though. Uh, do you I guys want to do what you fun. got for me then, or do you want me to just go to the top of the show? I, I have nothing to say. I I've got to nothing report. to say for what you got for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Topic of the show, guys. Fantasy critic draft. Here we come. 2023. This is it. Daniel came in first last year, but who's counting? I don't know. I am. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah. Yes. I'd, how do we want to do this, Christian? I think you said uh, a snake pattern yeah. of yeah, last so, place. Maybe we'll get the first pick. Well, I think that a was reverse Gage, order from Gage Dempster. From the, <laughs> there you we go. can do a reverse order of the finalization of last year's <laughs> yes. fantasy so, critic. Let me go here. All right. <laughs> last year, Gage, <laughs> Gage ended up in fourth. I'll say hey, that way. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was in third. Roe was in second. And Dan was in first. So for this uh, for this year, we decided, I think right before the show started, that we'll do uh, the reverse for in terms of, you know, for fa- for fairness sake, we'll do the reverse of the winners. So Gage should go first, then me, then Ro, then Dan, and then there will snake. Sounds good. Sure. Okay. Well, okay, hold on. Let's I need to, I need to be shifting this around real quick and then uh, and then the draft will start. Um, this is weird. Why is it doing that? Uh-oh. Uh okay, so I think it's actually that put you there, and then me go here, and then row, and then Dan. Okay, well if this doesn't work, sorry. <laughs> oh well, things are all set to get started. It, yeah, it looks like it is. Uh, Dan is ETM, the reigning champion, has a crown. So uh, do you Ooh. have the the do you have it visually up, Dan? I forget if you'd have like that scene. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I probably should have. Huh. Uh, that might have been helpful. Um. Okay, that's fine. We can just start drafting. Okay. Uh, warning. Yeah. Yes. What are we warning? Warning. We just can't add or remove players, which is fine. Here oh. we go. Okay. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how I draft. I forget how you draft. Um, okay. Don't worry about it because you're not up yet. 
the draft oh. is currently in progress. Next to draft, Florida Man Publishing. And while he is choosing his first game, I can go over the rules. Of course, Fantasy Crack, Craft, Critic. I'm sorry. <laughs> fantasy Draft Critic, whatever. Uh, we each have $100 uh, to bet on games that we are betting. Get a 70 open critic score or above. Each point above 70 is one point. Each point above 90 is two points. Each point below 70 is minus one point. Uh, we are choosing each five games. Oh, it's somebody up next. Gage has just... Oh, I can't wait to counterpick that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Damn. Gage, tell us, your, tell us your, first, your first round pick. Starfield. Fuck you, Dan. Wait, why'd you, you say fuck you, Dan? Because I knew... I know you. You're a little weasel. You're just waiting to get all these fucking big games. You're just sitting there itching for it. All right? I'm grabbing Starfield. It's gonna, it's gonna hit. Yeah, good luck. It's gonna hit. Yeah. 90. 90 on Metacritic. 90. Open Critic. Sorry, Open Critic. 90 on Open, open critic. critic. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Uh, before I draft my game, I, I want to keep just continue the rules real quick. Um, we're going to each pick five games during our draft. Those games are free. We'll not use our $100. Uh, but then once we go into action for the rest of the year, we have the rest of the year to, to draft games onto our, our actual uh, you know team, whatever, our publisher. And each game we try to bid on will be a minimum of $2. We'll have to end the year with two counter picks. What are counter picks, you ask? Well, we're going to bet that someone else's game is going to underperform that year. And the worse that game does, the more points we get if we counter pick it. Swag. 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 Really, you're going to counter pick this, Christian? I, I am so <laughs> thankful that I go second and that Gage did not go for what I think is an automatic dub. Oh, no. Come on. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Was there ever a doubt? Was there ever any doubt? There is. This is going to be the year of the, of the reckoning. Performance issues. I'm telling you right now. This game is yeah, going to no. have performance issues. We said this last week. I'm with you. I think, yeah. I, for sure. I agree. Still going to be the 90s, 90s though. <laughs> See. I do oh, have a man. graphic up, finally, by the way, for everyone. I just hodgepodge this together real quick. Oh, nice. Thank you, Daddy. Oh, yeah. All right. So it's uh, my turn, I'm assuming. Yes, you should be going, and then Dan should be going. Okay. I am going to pick none other than Insomniac's Marvel Spider-Man 2. Wow. Oh, pick. Nice, yes. nice. Very nice. That oh. should be a good game, eh? Yes, I hope so. Like, there's no doubt. It's, Insomniac has been making great games. Like, even if it's not in the nines or whatever, it's still going to be an... For sure, like in the high 80s. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So excited. Man, this is a tough, tough <laughs> call, guys. What's Dan going to pick? The people watching live can see me debating because <laughs> I have my screen up. Uh, and like, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Huge, huge game. Yes. Yeah, that's a good pick. Good pick. Very exciting. I think the only worry there is that, um, you know, the translation of a, you know, a game that might be difficult to remake is maybe not might not hit. But for everything we've seen, it looks like it still is going to be pretty stellar. So I think you're pretty safe, and you get to go again. Heck yeah! And note note my team name: Halo Infinite will eventually be three four threes Halo three. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Uh, man, I wasn't prepared for another pick. 
Hmm. I am going. Hmm. This is a real, this is a real toss up here, man. I I want to go with my heart. You can't do that. Your heart. You know what? I'm gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna say Diablo Four. That's an insanely good pick. Good pick. Insanely good. I, w- I didn't even think about that. That's a really good pick. Mm-hmm. It's on my watch list as well. Heck yeah! Those games they score pretty high most of the time. Uh, for my next pick, I am going to pick. Oh man, I have a list of games, but I'm trying to. <laughs> I just don't want somebody else to steal it before I get to it. I'm going to go mm. with Street Fighter Six. My next one. Oh. Which I'm, I may have been safe with that one, but I'm just going <laughs> to take it. I mean, the worry there is that like there are like some big changes to the core game. Like, is that going to hit? It might or may not. But I yeah. think everyone who's at least like had previews of the game is is previewing it pretty well. So I think you might be safe for some some cool points on that one. And I am going to go with another heavy hitter. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. I know what it is. I say it out loud. Say it now as I click. It's gonna be from softwares. No, no. <laughs> I am choosing Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh, uh, that was wow. cool. dang. Okay, mm. nice. In the bag. Remove that from the wash list, I guess. <laughs> All right, so that's my turn. Times two. I like. I like the way you said that. Now we'll see if Gage steals the one that I just mentioned. Oh, I will. Um, I don't know. I already forgot what you said. <laughs> don't don't remind them. I won't. I won't. No, there's. I'm 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 skeptical about that one. Really? There. Okay. I am. Where is it? Where is it? We're gonna do this one first because I'm committed to the games I chose. They were just moved out. We're doing that one. I think oh, we'll say it out loud. I think this is a good pick. Uh, this is gonna be a great pick, and I knew it from day one. I'm, but so the game. Yeah, the game. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I yeah, say it. Say the name stuff. of the game. Right, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sons of the Forest is my second pick. All right. Yeah. Us, us Canadians, you want to make a survival game where you have to drop down trees and it's dynamic Wait, physics? I'm stupid. I thought this was Stalker 2. It's yeah, no. different game. No, this is Sons <laughs> of the Forest. Game. I, I'm going to add Stalker 2 to my watch list. Okay, and now this is this is the tough part. The tough part. Stalker, I hardly know her. Don't worry, I did it for us. Nice. There you go. Oh, oh this is tough. Okay. Second pick. Third pick. Third pick. Uh, fuck you two. I'm going with Redfall. Wow. Throwing all in on Bethesda. Yeah. I'm going with Redfall. Bro's the king of the mids, huh? Ah, we'll see. I've I lied hope, to you all. I just hope but these don't. games don't get delayed because all of Gage's games got delayed last year. Sons of the Force and Redfall yeah. are definitely not getting delayed. I, Starfield, I, maybe. I'm, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> I have led everyone astray. Oh, despite despite my doubts uh, whether or not this game will hit, I think for the core fan audience, I think it's nice. going to be a revival for this series. Yes, I am drafting Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon. Nice. 
go. Oh, we should have yeah, we should say our names by the way. Gage, what is your publisher name? Florida Man <laughs> Publishing. No of course, I am <laughs> Saliva Gang PDX. <laughs> what up, what up? And Ro, your publisher name. I am the Lockharts. Nice. Cloud Strife died in the unfortunate circumstance, so me and Tifa have officially Shacked Lockharts, up. if you will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh um, yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. I took her last name, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it my turn now? It is. Yes, it is your turn. Okay. Your yes. third pick. Oh, I am going with, gotta keep this train rolling, Destiny Lightfall. Oh, oh. <laughs> very good pick. It is. Witch Queen did not let me down last year, so I'm sure Lightfall will not. Really either. well received. Yeah. They're yeah. consistent, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially with their expansions. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, what do we got left, guys? What do we have left? Oh, man. I've got a lot of choices to make here. I am going to go with a game that was on (laughs) last year's list for me that I also drafted because I thought it was coming last year for sure. Forza. Forza Motorsport on Xbox Series X, spring 2023. There we are. I know this guy like the back of my hand. You do. All right, so what's my next game going to be then, Christian? I'm not decided. We'll have to see what everyone else is picking. Oh, you're Snake (laughs) Traps. You're going next. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. (laughs) Yep. Are you are you pulling it up? I'm I'm looking. Yeah. Let me think here. I think your next pick is probably Dead Space remake. It's possible. I that is one that it's. <laughs> a, I'm heavily debating right now. Um, how many more picks do we have? Three. This would be your fourth. So you would have the fourth, and then your fifth, your fifth and final. This is too hard. Oh. This is too hard. I'm going to draft. Dan, before you draft something, can you just, uh, what is, how do you pronounce this? Reese's. Uh, I'm going to draft. I want everyone to unsubscribe right now. Please. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'm going to Dead Space Remake. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it Back comes out head. very soon. Very it soon. does. Okay. Okay, so I am going to go with. Uh, gosh darn it. I'm going to go with Sea of Stars. Oh, great pick. Yeah, That's yeah. Nice one. Little indie uh, RPG. Yeah. By okay, the people yeah. who made The Messenger. So, yes. Yeah, good stuff. I too have a lot of indies on my watch list, but I'm saving those for throughout the year. I'm going to think about this harder. For now, I'm going with heavy hitters I know will deliver in some capacity or another. Uh, so what am I drafting next, you ask? Huh. <laughs> Worry not, my friend. <laughs> uh, a giant game. Oh, Surprise, no one has picked up yet. Height factor on this is 93.7 on Ooh. Fantasy Critic. Oops, don't want to do that. I don't do this. How do I draft the game? And then show my watch list. Uh, and then this is Square Enix. Oh. Final Fantasy 16. Nice. <laughs> that was on my All list. Mine. Good pick. It's gone now. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. You, you have your, your final ones here. Your number four, your number five. My number four, my number five. I know a lot of weight behind this. 
Absolutely. We are going to go. See, I've got some games that I know can deliver, but I don't know if they're coming this year. That's the only problem. Sure. <laughs> and I don't want to screw myself like I did last year. Dan, <laughs> keep your laughter to yourself. Um, and also, you know what? I'm going to do it. Uh, It'll be this year's Sons of the Force. It's coming this year. We're going to go with Company of Heroes 3. Excuse me, what? Company of Heroes 3. This is my equivalent of Dan's Warhammer pick last year, where he's like, all of these games do really well, even though I don't play them. Company of Heroes is like old school RTS. This Mm. third one looks really good. It's bringing a lot of positive buzz. So I'm going to pick that. Also, I think it's coming to Xbox for the first time. I think I'm going to give it a shot. Company of Heroes 3, RTS. Oh yeah. Hopefully it doesn't let me down. Let me let me down. I love RTS. Let me dong. Let me dong. I hope it lets me dong. I'm gonna, hope- dude. I'm going to text every Tinder match from the future now. No, that's that's mean. I'm not gonna do that. Is let com- me dong. Edit this out, Dan. Edit this out from the live show. His <laughs> <laughs> company. We need to have a seven let- second delay for Christian. Let me dong. Is Company of Heroes uh, on Game Pass, or is it gonna be on Game Pass? It will be. Yes. Oh, that's. Sick. I think. Uh, am I? Is it Creative Assembly? I don't know. I don't know who does Company of Heroes. I think Xbox owns them, though. If I'm not mistaken. Your fifth and final pick, Gage. Whoever does Company of Heroes, Dan, it's not Creative Assembly. Yeah. All right. Fifth and final pick. I'm scared. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Uh, don't Black let me down. Hades Black 2. Hades 2. Wow. Ooh. Only if it releases, though. This is risky. If it releases, I we're in good hands. I don't think it will. It might not. It might not. But I want to get it before any of you fuckers get it. Because <laughs> in Hades 2, if it lands, it will hit. It will. Don't forget, rules of this game is that early access games do not count as points. You need full releases. Oh. Are you kidding? Oh, it when you were explaining the rules. the rules 20 minutes ago, you failed to mention that, huh? How about when I sent them to you uh, <laughs> over Twitter drafts or Twitter DMs? Yeah, so. yeah, I didn't read those either. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess God. it's a wash then. If it hits, though, man, that's that's huge. If it hits, you. you know damn well they're releasing it in early access. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, well, there's that. So, there's a lot the of... Hmm. I'm thinking here. I'm going to say some games out loud because I don't think I'm going to draft these. There's a lot of games that I am think might hit me some points, but I don't know if they'll hit that well. Should I do it? Well, like, I'm, I'm looking at Hogwarts Legacy, and I, I don't think that's going to give me points. Like, I think that's going to be extremely mixed. Um, and I'm not quite ready to dip into my indies yet because I want to save is... those. This is my problem with Hogwarts Legacy. I was thinking that too. And you and I might be on opposite spectrums of this. I think it's going to be a good game that gets poor reception because of the politics behind it. That's the reason why I hesitated from picking it. I think any good reviewer will be acknowledging of the politics behind it, but that should not be whether dictating whether or not that either, you know, gets points taken away, in my opinion. It shouldn't, but there's been a couple of outlets that have been like milking the new cycle of the hate behind this game so i'm mm. like okay well when this comes out am i expecting a decent review from this or i don't know but right i was that's debating fair, it too i was question. debating that one 
I'm between two. One is is obviously way. Hold on, I gotta check Metacritic scores for for two quick games. Ooh. Is that allowed? <laughs> are you allowed to look up? Are you allowed to look up words when you're playing Scrabble? I'm just curious. Oh. This, is, this is part of the game, my guy. Is it? It's part of the game. Was that in? You part could. Of the you could have done this at any point. You could have done this at okay. any okay. point. I guess I'm just more honorable by default. This one. <laughs> How and do you think? And that's fair. How do you think I got what? all those obscure games that I got points for? Gage, I did my research and I was like, "Yep, this I'm game." No, you rigged it, and there. then you, I did. You lobbied. Lots. You know, you you're a lobbyer, Dan. You lobby behind you know what? closed doors. I bought a lot of games with one dollar. You could have outbid me by one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Every game that I I bid on, by the way, I did more than the minimum. I was betting like three to four bucks. <laughs> Um, I bet like thirty dollars on a game. I can't remember which one it was. For the sake of the, you know the podcast, I will say what I was thinking. Um, I was thinking because of the hype factor on the website, Star Wars Jedi. Survivor. What is this? Survivor yeah. might give me some points, but we don't know. We don't know. It's 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 still a little bit of a question mark, despite how how well the cutscenes are looking and and how like again the previews for it, like being a Metroidvania um, is exciting to me. But to reviewers, the Metroidvania parts for the first game were not everyone's favorite. So I'm going to go with a safer pick and one that I know is going to be enjoyable because these games always hit in some capacity, even if they're not nines, they're still great games. I'm going with... Where, where'd it go? Well, Why does it keep doing this? Where'd it go? By the way, Kirik says automatic disqualification. He cannot look up. <laughs> where did it go? To, Thank oh. you, Kirik. Base again. <laughs> Did I accidentally remove it? Uh-oh. That sucks. Uh-oh. You know what's funny? This is how ADD works. You read that out. Eric says disqualified because he can't look up. <laughs> I was looking at Buck while he said that, and I was thinking he was talking about Shaun of the Dead. That is such an obscure, niche, fucking small little joke in a movie that came out in 2004, and that's where my brain went. And it took me a second to realize he was talking about Christian. So if anyone was curious about how ADD works, it's like that, except all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, here we go. It's it's there now. Oh. Now it is a remake, but this is allowed. Partial remakes are not. Uh, luckily for me, this is a remake, and this is I just got again. <laughs> what is it? We must know. Pick the fucking game. <laughs> yeah. There we go. This is uh, RGG's Like a Dragon. Ah, uh, nice, nice, nice. Good pick. Is this the Yakuza game? Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, it's like okay. a dragon. No, Shut up. Yakuza. <laughs> Just what Yakuza mean? Oh, no, sorry. No, I'm, 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 I, I almost... I almost am going with... Is it, this is my final pick? Yeah, final um, pick. Wolong final, final Fallen Dynasty. Wow. Wolong Fallen Dynasty. That's my okay. last one. The, mm, the Neo know, developers are at it again with yeah. what I'm sure is another banger. Another banger. So now... I did not like. I did not like that demo. No. I that's, me one, that's me personally. That's me personally. Yeah. I hope you're the only one. Oh God. <laughs> Man, what a decision here for my last game. I have a lot of ideas, and people on stream are seeing them right now because I'm looking <laughs> at my watch list. And someone's at my front door, apparently. It's probably a false alarm. 
If you had any brains, then you'd be asking Kirik to look over your watch list and tell him which ones you should pick. Good for your point. Final. Yeah, Kirik. Actually, never mind. Don't do that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I won last year, Kirik. I can handle it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think I'm gonna go with man. There's a game I would like to go with, but I'm still unsure if the game's gonna come out this year and the game stalker too because of the issues in ukraine so Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna pick it because of that but i think i'm going to go with star wars jedi survivor star wars jedi i've fallen and i can't get up (laughs) nice (laughs) i mean that was kind of a reach but still nice uh let's go over here we go our uh, initial draft picks. Heck yeah. Uh, hold on. I think we have 15 total that we have to um, draft this year uh, and two counterpick games that we have the rest of the year to decide what we're counterpicking before the game's released, though. Uh, Gage, go ahead and tell us your five games that you drafted today. Yes, sir, Bob. My five <laughs> video games that I've uh, picked for uh, my fantasy critic is Florida Man Publishing will be releasing Starfield. Sons of the Forest, Redfall, Company of Heroes 3, and Hades 2. <laughs> Kirik Currently. A- uh-huh. Sorry. Kirik asks the question, what's the difference between a remake and a partial remake? Nothing. Uh, let's, uh, I will tell you, actually, what uh, the league here, Fantasy Critic, says on partial remakes. Partial remake, uh, this category is hard to define. There are a lot of <laughs> games that uh, are a little too remade to be a remaster but too similar to be a remake. They live here. I think this is where, like, I don't know, maybe... No, I guess The Last of Us Part 1 was categorized here as an actual remake and not partial. Which is weird, because uh, I wouldn't... I don't know hmm. how this works. I don't Here's know some works. examples that, that Fantasy gives. Uh, Demon Souls, that's a good example. Shadow of the Colossus 2018, good example. Diablo 2, I don't know. Grand Theft Auto The Trilogy, good example. And Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, which came out, I think, last year or two years ago. It's another great example. Partial remakes. Can it's I, interesting. Like in my mind, I see like The Last of Us Remastered is a remaster. Up, upgraded textures runs a little bit better. The Last of Us Part One, in my mind, is a partial remake. And then what we all thought The Last of Us Part One was going to be a full remake, in my mind, was like, oh, it's in it's in the second one's engine. You've got the new combat yes. moves. You got all, like that's in my mind. That's how I break down those categories. So yeah, I don't know. Me too. Me too. Turn turn uh, on. Turn on show projections at the top and tell us I what did. your projected. I, that's I was going to suggest we should take oh, a picture of this. Oh, okay, we should take sorry. a picture of this at the beginning and then compare at the end because this fucking thing's telling me I'm going to lose again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, don't give the book away. Let me let me say it. <laughs> yeah, Gage is right. Uh, oh, sorry. Let me don't don't let me ruin your surprise about me being at the bottom of the list. Sorry, I wouldn't want to get in the way of you having fun with saying that to the audience. Go ahead, Christian. <laughs> Well, I was planning on saying our projected points after everyone gives their list of five games. So yeah, Florida Man Publishing is projected to earn 95.3 points this year, and that is a fourth place projection. Rip. Shut up, Dan. Shut up, Dan. Saliva Gang PDX this year is releasing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, Final <laughs> Fantasy 16, Like a Dragon, Ishin. Hell yeah. Oh, and uh, 
Very. Oh, what changed? Fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> projected points for Saliva Gang PDX is a one hundred and eighteen point fifty seven, which is a second place year end prediction. Oh yeah, Roshan. Yes, the Lockhearts are going to be publishing Marvel Spider Man Two, Street Fighter Six, Destiny Two Lightfall. Sea of Stars and Wolong Fallen Dynasty. And my projected points are for third place, 112.9. Dan calls us out. Heck yeah. For the publisher, the longest publisher name ever, Halo Infinite <laughs> will eventually be 343's Halo 3. We are going to publish Resident Evil 4 Remake, Diablo 4, Forza Motorsport, Dead Space Remake and Star Wars Jedi Survivor for a first place total of 119.5. Let's go. <laughs> you can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> One point difference between you and I. Garbage. Oh Garbage. Oh we have the rest God. of the year. We'll see how it yes. shakes out, all right? Yes. The year is young. Yes. Still a lot mm-hmm. of games to come. Mm-hmm. Still a lot of games to be delayed out of this year. A lot of them for my list. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, well, anything else will come through. Anything else you guys have before we close out the show here? I'm done, dude. I'm hungry. Okay. Okay. Well, Company of Heroes Two has a nine point one on Steam out of ten. So, frick <laughs> you, Dan. Frick you, Dan. Frick me. I'm, and, ju- I'm jumping in on this. And freak and all. Freak you? And freak all of you. <laughs> <laughs> freak all of you watching us live. And thank you for joining us and participating in the chat on YouTube and Twitch, as well as podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. I am Daniel, and this has been... I totally skipped. I I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you, Ro. Thank you, Gage. Thank you, Christian. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. I am Daniel, and this has been Podcast PXN, and we are out. Much love, and keep on gaming. Let me dong. Let me dong. See you. Let me dong.